0: Creative Brain Candy by Creators for Creators.
1: Simply Stogies is a passion project that is fan-funded. If you enjoy the content Simply Stogies brings to you and would like to see more and different kinds of content, a website, more on-location podcasts with blenders, manufacturers, or retailers, or video reviews, please consider supporting Simply Stogies on Patreon at Patreon.com slash Supporting Simply Stogies can get you a ton of perks, including instant access to bonus material, access to Simply Stogies Discord, including a Patreon-only channel, shout-outs on the show and social media, a monthly virtual hearf with myself and other supporters, the ability to suggest cigar reviews, cool swag, or the opportunity to do a cigar review on Simply Stogies Podcast. Thank you for your consideration and your generosity. Now, on to Simply Stogies. You're listening to Simply Stogies, a monthly podcast dedicated to the cigar enthusiast. Light up a Stogie, sit back and relax, while James brings you along on his journey as a new cigar smoker. Simply Stogies will review cigars, discuss topics that cigar aficionados find important, and will probably learn a few things along the way. Now, here's your host of Simply Stogies, James. Welcome to Simply Stogies. I am your host, James. This week, I have a special guest with me today uh, via the Internet due to social distancing and just the distance between us in general. Uh, He is one of the podcasters over at creativebraincandy.com. He podcasts uh, with his co-host, James, uh, on the podcast Drunkenomics, which we'll be talking about today. Maybe the drunk part, maybe the economics part, maybe both. Uh, It's Aaron. Aaron, welcome to Simply Stogie's.
0: Dude, man, good to be here. Thanks for uh, pimping up my Drunkenomics podcast and for, for some reason letting me into Creative Brain
1: Candy, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love your show. Your show is great. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Drunkenomics? Because I think it's one of the more interesting podcasts that I've listened to in the last decade. Uh, I really dig it. You can, everybody <laughs> can check it out creativebraincandy.com uh, under our, uh, the home screen there, Drunkenomics front page. <laughs> Tell us what this podcast is all about.
0: Essentially, what it is is so James is the other co-host, not you, but other James is the co-host of Drunkenomics, and this dude is the most well-read guy on global macroeconomics and a little bit of micro, a lot of microeconomics, as you say, and finance and accounting, whatever. I'm an MBA student. Uh, my specialization for my MBA is actually finance, not not economics, which I know it sounds counterintuitive, but uh, I've always had a deep passion for economics, uh, always had a deep passion for alcohol as well, particularly scotch. (laughs) James is also um, a big time drunkard like me. And so essentially we just, you know, go through a bottle of scotch and talk about what's, we talk about concepts and how they apply to, we talk about concepts and we talk about how they apply to what is actually happening in the world. So
1: well, there's a lot going on in the world. Uh, so I'm glad to have you here, Aaron, so that we can talk about it. We can discuss it. Maybe I don't know. We probably won't solve anything, but it should be a fun discussion nonetheless.
0: <laughs> yeah, it will.
1: Yeah. Before before we get into that, uh, quickly, I want to say a big thank you to Mike Brig. Mike Brig is our our lead reviewer and our director of content here at SimplyStokies.com. Mike has had to step away from the hobby. Uh, of smoking cigars uh, due to some issues uh, that he's having. He is well, he is, he is fine. And that's the important thing. Uh, and so I want to say a quick thank you to him uh, because simply stogies.com wouldn't be what it is today. and We wouldn't be moving in the direction we're moving today. If it wasn't for Mike, Mike was a big catalyst behind the move to, to do reviews, he was a big catalyst behind the move to uh, to talk about the news, to try to be more of a media outlet around cigars instead of just one guy on a microphone. So I am eternally grateful for everything that Mike has done for simplystogies.com. I am eternally grateful for everything that Mike has done for me personally. And this hobby will be less without him. So, Mike, thank you so much for your friendship. For your professionalism and for everything that you brought to the table to simplystogies.com. I cannot replace you. I can only put someone else in that position. So, Mike, thank you and Godspeed. With that said, simplystogies.com is hiring. And by hiring, I mean we're looking for somebody to work pro bono. If you would like to write <laughs> about cigars or the cigar industry, or you think you've got the chops to take the place of Mike, and be a cigar reviewer. Send me an email at info at simplystogies.com letting me know you're interested in becoming either a staff writer for simplystogies.com or a cigar reviewer. All right, Aaron, now that all of that is out of the road, the coronavirus, COVID 19, is Jeez. wreaking havoc, not just on the American economy, but on the world economy.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it is. And ultimately, the only conclusion so far is we don't have a conclusion. The only thing we know is we know nothing. So, <laughs>
1: right, you know. It's a little so frustrating.
0: It, it's incredibly frustrating. Um, it, it, you know, and the world has never seen anything like this before. So, you know, a lot of people are wondering how it got so out of hand. Well, the reason why it got so out of hand is because the last time something like this happened was thirteen hundred AD, maybe. That's probably the closest comparison. And I don't want to say the world was a lot larger back then, but it was certainly less connected. So as far as sure. Yeah, as far as imports, exports, you know, I mean that was pretty much only in in Europe. You know, it didn't the 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 black the plague didn't stretch into Asia.
1: Well thankfully COVID nineteen is not nearly as, as deadly as the plague. Yeah, yeah. But so, it is having a, a huge impact on the world around us. And so tonight, today, I'd like to really talk about the impact that it's having on the cigar industry mm-hmm. and specifically on local B&Ms. You, Aaron, mm-hmm. uh, for those of you who've listened to the show before, you know that uh, Aaron, I've talked about Aaron uh, because I met him at the Nebraska Cigar Festival. Earlier this year, before COVID nineteen broke out, early January, mid middle January, I think it was. Well, it it was
0: out, but it wasn't. It was (laughs) wasn't it was only in China at the time, right?
1: (laughs) We had a great time. It was a fantastic time uh, meeting you. You're a great brother of the leaf, and you're a bartender uh, and a cigar aficionado, cigar salesperson, cigar. I I don't know what you guys call it at Cigars Lounge in uh in Lincoln, Nebraska.
0: Yeah. Well, I. I wouldn't say I'm like an expert or anything. I, I'll i say this. I really, really like smoking cigars. I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy cigars a lot. I think they, I think they bring a lot of value to life and I think they definitely bring value to community as well. And I also happen to really like alcohol. So
1: yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk, let's talk about that real quick. So uh, on your show, Drunkenomics, you you say that you guys, you and James, both uh, are mm-hmm. are students. your graduate students at the University of Nebraska, right? Right. Mm-hmm. You guys, you guys are graduate students in the field of finances and money and the market and economics. I don't know what any of that means. I can barely spell Drunkenomics. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> okay. So, but you but you have this unique position where you understand how the markets are reacting and how. Uh, local economy is reacting to to this outbreak and how the cigar industry is reacting to this outbreak yeah. cigar's lounge had a couple of uh, events that they had scheduled this week yes that they had to cancel including they were getting ready to carry LFd yeah now that's a big deal for them and they had deal. to cancel the event and in and in fact the the shop's not even getting LFd right now every all those are on hold.
0: Well, we actually luckily for us, we actually got the shipment of LFD and before um before they're like making us screen our imports or whatever you want to call it you know as far as yeah and as far as like us being experts on or understanding we don't understand anything we just we try to rationalize it the best we can (laughs) that's the only explanation you know because it's tough to understand markets and, and economics because it's all under the underlying assumption that the economy is made up of a bunch of rational actors and you know Seeing how everyone is reacting to the coronavirus, is everyone being a rational actor? Yes or no? Because no one wants to get sick, but people want to go out to eat. People want to go out and smoke cigars and and, and drink scotch and drink cocktails and all that kind of stuff, but no one's doing it,
1: what, whether that's rational or not. Because before this happened- yeah. Right. Well, but, but before that before all of this happened, we had a pretty robust economy. I think you and I have talked before oh about God, yeah. how how the, the cigar has become something that the common man can smoke, from blue collar to white collar and everything in between.
0: Yeah, and we were at a point where, you know, before this, I don't want to say everyone was make I don't want to say everyone was making money, but most people were. Um, unemployment was incredibly low. When that happens people are afforded the luxury to go out and spend a little bit of their disposable income on cigars and and it didn't matter what you did the nice thing about cigars which you know the reason why I love the cigar community so much is you know I work as a bartender I don't have very much money obviously I'm still a student um like I can go there and I can find out that I have a lot in common with you know some guy that's a multimillionaire that's run several successful businesses you know and 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 we're just two normal human beings talking with complete different financial backgrounds complete different socioeconomic standings it's it's
1: a really unifying tool it is we've talked about that before on the show and, and we can start with community how the cigar community really rallies together the they they we call each other brother and sisters of the leaf Mm-hmm. because we have this 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 leaf in common this tobacco leaf in common this passion for for the hobby and i think that extends even to to pipe smokers because again oh, yeah. they have a passion for tobacco so how have you seen this i mean uh, the obvious the obvious answer is that you've seen covid-19 impact this and people coming into the shop right yeah
0: it's i don't know man it's 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 so crazy because even in Nebraska, like, you know, there there's only been one case in Omaha so far. And Lincoln has so far zero reported cases. Um, I think I heard about one or two the other day. But even before that happened, um, we're all taking precautionary measures saying like, dude, okay, no one's going to allow a capacity of more than 10 people in a given place. Like restaurants, bars, like can't do that. And a lot of places out of good PR or, um, or whatever you want to call it, or if they're just standing, sitting on a lot of cash or if they have the capability to do this are just closing down. So, you know, at Cigars Lounge, we're, we're not closing down because we're not a high volume bar. And, uh, you know, we've taken the measure of Keeping the headcount at 10 people at a time. And, but if you could want to come in and buy cigars and leave, like you're, you're certainly more than welcome to do that.
1: Right. But you've seen people starting to stay home and not come into the bar. Before the mandate came down, before the, the recommendation from the CDC went from, from groups of, of 100 to groups to of 50 to now groups of 10, mm-hmm. you saw people stop going to the bar. And like you said, there was only maybe one or two reported cases in Lincoln and still people weren't coming into the bar.
0: Yeah. And even before that, I mean, last week was an incredibly slow week for me Um, this week. And I've only worked one shift this week so far, but uh, like and it was last night, it was really slow. I, you know, a lot of the patrons that came in, you know, looked upon me with grace and fared me, well, fared me over. Okay. Um, but, uh, so thank you guys. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's foot traffic is definitely going down and I'm going to like, you know, I was at Chipotle the other day too. And literally I walked in, got was, you know, I walked in at like 1230 peak lunch hours and was just walked right to the front of the line. Like there's no one there. And I there's this coffee shop called the mill that I love going to, um, I I do like all of my studying. You know, when I edit my podcast, that's where I go. You know, I was there on Monday and I was there today, and I was the only I, today I was the only person there. And on Monday wow. it was me and two other people, and I felt I felt so bad for these for for the baristas. This coffee shop, the mill, is also a bar, and they have a freaking awesome whiskey selection <laughs> for being a coffee shop and a bar crossover. Nice. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, I love this place. And uh, so it sucks seeing this place so slow and it sucks seeing, you know, their staff is wonderful. So it sucks seeing them just like being bored. I've been in their shoes. I bought a beer today. It was a $5 beer and I just gave the bartender 10 bucks. I was like, here you go. It's all you. Because I felt bad. And, and yes, and I felt like I had to pay it forward because last night was kind of the same way. People were like, I feel bad for you, Aaron. You know, you're going to see five people today. <laughs> So here's, here's an extra five bucks
1: on, for your tip, you know? <laughs> right. Well, let's talk about that for a second because what happens when everything shuts down? So for example, here in the state of Iowa, they've shut down bars, they've shut down gyms, they've shut down restaurants, they've mm-hmm. shut down any, ev- anything and everything that they possibly can for 30 days. Like that's it, just no more. What does that do to a business that can't handle that kind of shutdown? where they're not doing business for a, a month, where they're not doing business for two weeks even. And then how does that hurt the local economy when everything starts to come back? Because inevitably things will start to come back. COVID-19, the spread will slow down, mm-hmm. whether, it is, it, whether it's because of the hot summer months or whether it's because there's a vaccine or whether it's because right. it's run its course. It's going to eventually stop and everything will come back. When everything starts to come back, what happens to these shops, to these, to these small business owners that couldn't afford that shutdown, who can't afford the, the slowdown? They were enjoying this, this robust economy we had, and now that economy mm-hmm. is gone and we're in a recession, possibly even, depending on how long this goes, very close to a depression-type economy yeah what what does that what does that look like for these small businesses Uh, is the government going to be able to bail them out and if so how
0: the way i see it and you know i I want everyone to know that my word is not god i want to preface this the answer my answer to this question uh by saying my answer is not gospel i don't know very much but i have done a little bit of research (laughs) on this um so the, okay so as far as local businesses go it as you can tell I, I'm sure you have a pretty easy basic understanding of economics. Um, so if you take a look I at I can barely spell it that's that's more than most people so <laughs> um, so you take one brick and mortar store right like a like cigars lounge for instance can they handle a shut a complete shutdown for a month probably not. Um, I mean, maybe, I don't know, but most places that can't, if you can't handle a shutdown for a month and unless you get some grant from the Small Business Administration or from the government, you know, I hate to say this, but those shops are probably going to have to close. However, I do think the government and the Small Small Business Administration, I think they are collectively taking appropriate actions. Um, but I don't know if they fired the, all of their bullets too fast. Um, but it's as far as like if you stretch it out, even you know, if you take it above that level of each individual brick and mortar store, think about the small business loans that they took. Who do they take them from? Now they're gonna have to default on those loans. You know where where are they running their shops out of? You know who what what's the real estate company that owns? the lot that they run their business out of. Now they're going to default on their rent as well. So it's going to spill over into all those different companies. What happens if, let's say you're like let's say Speedway Motors, for instance, which runs, which owns a lot of the um the bar scene in the hay market. They own a lot of the real estate that the bar scene is on. Sure. If a bunch of people default On their mortgages or on their rent to Speedway, you know, is Speedway going to have to jack up the prices on everybody else to make sure that they meet their break-even point too? I mean, I don't know. Like these, these are all unknowns, right? Like, but that's just kind of how the economy spills over into each other.
1: We're we're talking a lot about local economies right now because we're all affected locally, right? We're all affected in our own community for sure. And so, what can we do? As cigar smokers, to help our local B and M's, we always say here on Simply Stogies, we always say support your local B and M. Always, sure. always. It doesn't matter where where you're at. If every time I travel out of town, I've said famously, I don't have a local B and M. The nearest ones an hour and a half away from me now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so wherever I travel, I always buy three or four cigars wherever wherever I go. That's awesome. I can't though. afford to. Yeah, I can't afford to buy a box of cigars at every every place I go, but mm-hmm, yeah. I can certainly do three, four, five cigars everywhere I go. So I did that at 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 Cigars Lounge. I did that at uh, Capital Cigars when when we were in Lincoln. And I'll continue to do that. But now that COVID nineteen is here, we have all had to change our, our habits and we're all staying home and we're all trying to be as safe as possible. We're all telework telecommuting and teleworking. I'm thankful that I have eight hundred cigars sitting here in my podcast studio in my office that I can dip into whenever I need to. And I can be sure, uh, or at least relatively sure that none of them have COVID-19 on them. (laughs) But what can you do as a, as a, uh, a cigar smoker and help your local community? If you don't want to go out, how, how effective is buying, buying anything from a cigar shop? For example, Aaron, buying a gift card or buying a box of cigars. So, for example, Habano cigar in uh, Chicago, uh, Homer Glen. They're doing deliveries. Buy a box of cigars; yeah. they'll deliver it to your home or your office for free. Yeah, and I feel like that's a, I feel like that's an excellent
0: strategy. If if you have to cease your normal day to day operations, you should definitely try to adopt that strategy. Um, for us, like if we have to shut down, like I don't know how, I don't know what. Lawyer, who the owner is, I don't know what he's gonna have to do. Like, is it it, can he sit out front and say like, you know, this is my private stash. I'm selling my private stash, or is he allowed to like, you know, switch to some form of, you know, e-commerce and sell cigars with, you know, through that avenue. You know, it's it's tough to say what we can do as cigar smokers to really help local businesses. But if the business is open. You know, if if you're not financially hurt by it, you know, I I urge you, I encourage you. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life, but if you're not financially hurt by it, you're still making your 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 same paycheck, but working from home. Like, I encourage you to go out to a local cigar retailer and and buy a few cigars, and if they sell alcohol, buy a shot or two. it, it as long as you know you're not breaking any cap- capacity rules or anything like that. But there's, you know, there's no, there's no real answer to this. I'm sorry. I, w- I wish I had an answer, but you know, like,
1: <laughs> well, no, and I don't, I, I, don't think there is. But I would strongly encourage you, if you can buy cigars online from someplace, please do so. Not Thompson, though. Uh, no. <laughs> right. Don't go to Thompson. Yeah. Um, uh, for example, uh, there, there was a small cigar shop in Kentucky that had some McAuliffe to be named. Oh yeah, uh, okay, the, the, the new Maduro yeah. from them that doesn't have doesn't have a name. I ordered five today from them online, and they're shipping them out tomorrow morning. They're taking online orders, and, but no one's in the shop. No wow. customers, like just they're in the shop and they're just sending stuff out. and that's great. But for states like Iowa where they don't allow tobacco shops to do online purchasing oh, and wow. to ship, right, these, these local BMs are in a tough spot.
0: Yeah, and I don't know what the state laws in Nebraska are either. Like, I don't know if we're allowed to sell and ship cigars that way.
1: Yeah, it, it's it, it's going to be a mess. And then when you start to think about the long-term ramifications of this, and I'm just going to give you some examples here, Aaron. Mm-hmm. So there are several factors in, or factories in Nicaragua that have shut down cigar factories, several cigar factories in the Dominican that, Republic. That, shut is the worst,
0: that is the worst news I've heard from
1: this whole thing. Today, there was a there's a press release uh, that we got from uh, J.C. Newman and company uh, that they're still going to be rolling cigars uh, out of Tampa. Uh, we are continuing to roll cigars as usual at our J.C. Newman El, El Relojo factory in Tampa. Uh Uh, in Florida and at our J.C. Numa Pensa factory in Esteli, Nicaragua. But we will evaluate our operations as the situation develops. Now, he goes on in this this press release to say that when the Spanish flu hit, he would still have a couple of workers come in and roll just so that they could get paid. These large companies that can afford to pay their workers— like, I would imagine, like, an Arturo Fuente, a, a J.C. Newman, a Padrone. They should be able to pay their workers a salary, even if they're not there, right? For possibly a month. I'm not saying they have, you know, uh, Jeff Bezos' money or Bezos or whatever yeah. his name is from Amazon. Yeah, they don't have his money.
0: Yeah, those companies will all be fine. Like, the large cap companies, you know, the Goldman Sachs, the Apples, the, essentially the cash rich companies, as far as, you know, whatever they're current asset or current ratio is like those companies will all be fine what, what it really boils down to is like anytime something like this happens it, it doesn't hurt the big banks the big energy the big retailers I mean it, it, it'll hurt all of those a little bit but it starts with the small businesses it starts with it starts with the day-to-day workers you know the average Joes it always hits them first before it works its way to the top. And I hate to say this cuz I'm not like I'm not anti-rich people. I'm not at all. Um but the rich people, the people that control, I don't want to say control the economy, but the people that have more control of the economy are going to get are most likely going to get bailed out. And we're kind of seeing that right like you know, a couple weeks ago Trump gave this I thought, was a pretty good address. It, it wasn't as crystal clear as it should have been. And I do think he should have... I, I do think the appropriate action for Donald Trump right now is to come out and say, this is worse than I, I thought. I'm sorry if you're getting hurt from this. Like it, I think I think that'll win over a lot of hearts. But all that aside, what he said a couple weeks ago, I think was a brilliant address. Because he talked about a monetary stimulus plan of $1.5 trillion. I don't know how that money is going to get distributed, but I know that from what it sounds like, it's a repo program of of a bunch of T-bills, and it's basically returning excess cash back to the big banks. How that's going to trickle down to you and I, I have no idea. But he also... Is working with the Small Business Administration, like I said earlier, to to distribute $50 billion to small businesses that are impacted by the coronavirus. I just don't know if that's enough, you know, but it
1: doesn't matter. 50 Either way, it yeah. seems like a drop in the bucket when you start taking into account all of the small businesses, uh, restaurants, cigar lounges, bars, gyms that are going to be hit by this and hit big and for a sustained amount of time, 50 yeah. billion doesn't seem like it's going to be even close to enough,
0: but it was a two part plan. It was a, here's $50 billion for the small business administration. Give these out. I think it was a grant. And I think the SBA intends to hand this $50 billion out as a grant as well. If they charge interest on it, I have no faith in the SBA. Um, <laughs> but but additionally interest rates dropped to zero and the payroll tax I think will help I think it's going to hurt all this is going to hurt the federal government in the future like at some point we're going to have to increase receipts right now I think it's definitely helping interest rates dropping to zero I think will help that along with Trump saying hey you big banks that I just gave one and a half trillion dollars to lend money out for free now. Like now you need to turn around and lend money out for free. And I think a lot of, a lot of billionaires, a lot of CEOs are taking action and, and they're, this is their opportunity to, to be philanth like to, to exercise a little bit of philanthropy to say like, Hey, I'm still (laughs) going to pay my workers. We're going to shut down. I'm, I'm still going to pay my workers. Like banks, like, Companies like Goldman Sachs and Wells Fargo and Apple and Amazon can shut down for a month and pay the workers and their balance sheet will be tipped a little bit, but they'll, but they'll be fine, right? Those companies can do that. It's the companies like Cigars Lounge and your favorite cigar shop, whoever you are, your favorite cigar shop that can't afford to shut down and their employees will still be able to make the next mortgage payment. You know what I mean?
1: Right. So we've been talking about, like, these big companies. You talk about Apple and, and the Microsofts and the Googles and, and all of these places. But what about companies like an Arturo Fuente, a, a Padron, a, a Rocky Patel? Because yeah. a lot of these companies deal uh, – they do a lot of business in second and third world countries. We talk about COVID, COVID-19 and the effect that it's going to have – on a first world country like the United States, and we've seen what it's been doing in Italy, and we see what it's been doing in China, (laughs) what kind of economic impact is this going to have on those factories in these second and third world countries?
0: I I don't know for sure, but I think the ultimate outcome from this is cigar prices, I think, are going to go up. And I hate to say that. Essentially, what is happening is... COVID-19 has really hurt the supply of cigars. It's really slowed down the production and it's really, you know, stuck its foot up the ass of its supply chain. Right. And because of that, you know, it's basic supply and demand supply goes down. I don't think, I don't see the demand for cigars going down. If anything, it's going to go up because, you know, the first thing I want right now amid all this is a cigar you know so you know so i don't think and that's just me personally i don't think demand's gonna go down and if it doesn't prices are gonna go up and
1: well and prices were already starting to uh, creep up uh in in the cigar world we were seeing that all at the beginning of this year where there were some some announcements from a lot of cigar companies saying hey we're gonna raise prices this year yeah but i think that
0: was for tax reasons and you know, other regulatory reasons, you know. Oh, no,
1: for sure. I mean, uh, with a a lot of the uh, FDA stuff still up in the air. Yeah. And now COVID-19 even grinding that to a halt. I mean, it's up in the air even more.
0: Yeah. And you know what's stupid, too, about this whole, the the FDA and the COVID-19 ordeal on the scar community is that, you know, you look at the people that are like most prone to die from... COVID-19, like, I, I don't know why I'm saying it like an idiot right now, but the people that have a higher chance of dying sure. from after contracting COVID-19 are, are people- The elderly
1: and those with underlying conditions.
0: Yes, exactly. Namely, cigarette smokers, right? Because right. COVID-19 is a respiratory illness. If you smoke cigarettes, your respiratory system is already, you know, it's already a little compromised. So- like, the reason why the death rate, I think, in China was so high, and Italy, too, because, like, you ever see a gangster film? They all smoke cigarettes, you know? So, <laughs> I'm sorry. That was really bad. I'm not trying to be that stereotypical. But but cigarette smoking in China is popular, okay? I know that sure. for a fact. Italy, I think it is. I've only been to Italy once, and I was so young, I don't remember. Um, I don't remember if everyone was smoking cigarettes. I remember everything else. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> but
1: well, yeah. There was a once upon a time a lot of people here in the U.S. smoked cigarettes.
0: Yeah, exactly, dude. I mean, you've watched Mad Men, like you know, everyone was smoking cigarettes. So, like, dude, if it came out, if it came to the U.S. in the fifties, the death, the mortality rate would be a lot higher. But also, and this is a really unpopular thing to say, this is just a guess because I haven't actually looked this up. But I'm, I think COVID nineteen is is more deadly to people that that smoke weed. If you, especially if you inhale it into your lungs, because you know i'm not i'm not against weed at all um if it's your life if you want to smoke weed smoke weed if you breathe weed into your lungs like your lungs don't want it there you know so
1: well just like any foreign substance just just like anything <laughs> yeah
0: yeah cigar smoke for some unfortunate reason is jumbled into that category of cigarettes and weed right why i don't know it is it's a completely it's a completely different thing it you know no one bonds over a cigarette people bond over weed because of you know because of pink
1: floyd or whatever i don't know um, well it's but- a it, I, I, it's a taboo thing to do it's something that you have in common again i look i i i'm not for or against weed i, I could care less to be honest legalize mm. it don't legalize it whatever I'd let people do what they want to do but it's right. something that you bond over. You have this passion for, for a leaf. It's it's not the tobacco leaf, but it's a leaf. So I in that kind in that respect I understand it. You right? Like I get that community aspect of it.
0: Yeah. But for some reason they kind of you know, the FDA kind of blends the cigar smoking to cigarette to weed um which I think is just ridiculous. You know, like Cigar smoking and weed smoking are complete different things. I'm not saying that weed smokers don't smoke cigars and cigar smokers don't smoke weed. There's definitely a huge crossover, but <laughs> there is. I'm just saying there's definitely a huge crossover. I'm not sure
1: what circles you're you're in. Well, my uh, the circles I'm in, they just smoke cigars and not weed. Now, maybe 20 years ago, it would have been a little bit different, but now. Uh, no, well, not so much.
0: okay, it's not it's not necessarily like every cigar smoker here smokes weed, but, you know, the younger cigar smokers definitely all smoke weed, you know, sure. like, so the FDA jumbles it all together. So what they're going to say is cigarette smoking is not helpful for people that contract COVID-19. Therefore, cigar smoking must also not be healthy for or must be must also not be beneficial and will even contribute to their potential mortality as cigarette smoking will. And I don't think, I don't know if that's true. Like, And I think they're probably going to come up to that conclusion with little to no research, you know?
1: Well, if there's a, like, I don't, yeah, the FDA doesn't, uh, doesn't strike me as the type of organization that really takes a hard look at the differences between cigars, weed, and cigarettes. Oh, yeah. Well, they that, just kind of lump it a all dead horse. in. There. Right. So let's talk yeah. about that for just a second. We'll shift gears, and I'll ask you this. How does regulation, and, and specifically uh, the regulation that the FDA, it, it, let's just pretend COVID-19 goes away. Let's pretend life gets back to normal. We stop playing chicken with the economy, uh, mm-hmm. both local and federal and world. And we and everything's back to normal. How how does uh, regulatory action by the FDA affect the economy? And you can talk about it in broad terms, uh, but also more specifically to uh, the cigar industry.
0: Gosh, I mean, I don't know. Is regulation good or is
1: regulation bad?
0: I am of the political standing that regulation is generally a bad thing because it it. It adds expenses, it adds uncertainty, and it kind of ties your hands for, for a business owner. Um, if if this all goes away, if they do jumble cigar smoking with uh, cigarette smoking, I don't see how it can help at all. But that's just because I don't have very much faith in the FDA. <laughs>
1: so oh, no, no, I don't think anybody does at this point, do they? no i i mean i don't i i don't know I don't even think the, the, uh, the president does because the president has said not. that of course he, he doesn't was, yeah no he wanted he wanted a a, a a regulatory body outside of the fda that was specific to tobacco
0: yeah and i think that's i think that'd be great because why do you why do you jumble in tobacco with food and drugs like I don't see how that makes any sense, and I don't. S- I
1: understand it with with a broad paintbrush, where nicotine is a drug in the same way that caffeine is a drug. Yeah, I, I so I understand that. I can even it's easier for me to say marijuana is a drug, THC is a drug, n- more so than it is nicotine or caffeine. So oh, it's totally. easier for me to make that leap, but tobacco. I mean, nicotine and caffeine. I don't consider them drugs. They are literally everywhere, and they've been everywhere for the better part of a century.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, like even the coffee industry. The coffee industry is crazy, man. I mean, freaking. uh, What's that guy's name? Howard Schultz made three billion dollars off of Starbucks, man. (laughs) Like, (laughs) so and and, yeah, tobacco has been around since the reason why America is here is largely in part due to tobacco, you know?
1: So absolutely, absolutely. It definitely has a long, a long history with the United States. So let's, let's get back to the markets real quick. In your opinion, educated or uneducated, (laughs) however you want to frame it, uh, in very broad terms, how long can the federal economy, uh, the markets and whatnot, uh withstand this 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 shutdown that the very minimum this slowdown uh because they're literally like I said earlier they're yeah. playing chicken with COVID-19 they're saying yeah. we're going to take a hit on the economy right now in the short term to try to to curtail COVID-19 but in the long term like if this goes too far we are risking quite a bit mm-hmm. so what are they what are they risking Aaron and how long can they continue to play chicken Well first
0: of all the like i said earlier this is going to wipe out the small businesses before it wipes out anybody else you know and, and i say that with i say that with sympathy extended to the people that are actually gonna that are actually dying from this yeah but i don't think the government what, when i would what i would say is i don't think the federal government can last more than 2 months with the whole economy shutting down the whole global economy shutting down because what we're seeing like the airline industry not the entire airline industry, but Boeing for sure. Boeing is not gonna, Boeing isn't gonna make it out of this without a without a government bailout, and they're gonna get a, a government bailout. There's no way that uh, they they do too much for the Boeing does too much for the government that there's no way they're not gonna get a bailout. Well,
1: I think the the airline industry as a whole is probably gonna get some sort of bailout as well. Major League Baseball. <laughs> yeah and if, I, major, I, if major league baseball gets it, you know it. the NFL's gonna get it if it extends that long if this goes on into august September october uh wh- what about the college athletes i mean colleges make a ton of money off collegiate sports and all of that is shut down yes yeah, so i the thing is I don't know
0: if the the bailouts are gonna go i I can't say for sure whether or not they're gonna go to um the, the sporting arenas. I just, you know, and I'm a huge, you know, I mean, I was a former college athlete. Um, like, I'm a big sports fan. Not really, mainly just football um, and golf. But, uh, <laughs> right. you know, like, I don't know if if those guys are necessarily going to get a bailout. What I think is, I think more so, like, the, the banks that they bank with are going to get the bailout, and hopefully they're going to get a little bit of, like, the residuals of that. Like, you know, but I, I, to me, I just don't see them getting a bailout because they're, they're all fine. You know, they're all going to be fine. Uh, college athletes I sympathize with because, you know, I had my senior year. It didn't go the way I wanted to. So I can kind of relate in the sense that like, you know, my senior year of playing college golf was, was a terrible year. It was a terrible year. Uh, I had a terrible year of golf, which is okay. I Like thinking back, I don't like, I, my senior year, I, it, my attitude towards golf was, you know, was was senioritis. I just let's finish out the season. Let's right. hopefully get, get a letter. Yeah, let's hopefully get a letter. I'm not gonna go pro because I just don't. I don't like golf anymore. I was I was one of those guys. I remember in March we played in a tournament and I played so poorly in that tournament. March of my senior year, I played so poorly in that tournament that with three tournaments left, my coach pulls me into his office and the season goes into May, right? So halfway through March, my coach pulls me into his office and goes, Aaron, wanna start this off by saying, I appreciate everything you've done for the team. You know, and at this time I was the only senior and there were six freshmen. So he was like, you know, the, the freshmen look up to you, they admire you, they respect you and you know, you know you've been a good leader to them whatever i don't know all what all he said but he said all that and then he was like but you're like we're not going to travel you we know we're not going to travel you to the next last three events so if you don't want to show up to practice anymore you're done <laughs> like you don't have to now i was like you know it, it, it hurt but at the same time i didn't want to show up to practice anyways <laughs> so so it was right. good and, it was good and bad news but you know, I, I ended up actually showing up to all every practice and every workout for the rest of the year um, because, you know, there were six freshmen on the team. So <laughs> I cared enough about the program to at least be like, look, I'm not going to not work hard because like, I'm still going to try and get better um until my season's out but you know but yeah like so it, it, all this is to say is like i sympathize like i know what it's i, I don't want to say i know what it's like in in the extent that some external factor took away your senior year but i think the ncaa is at least going to give them back their senior year um you know i don't think the ncaa well, is sure it. but at,
1: yeah. at what expense I, I, that's the way I, that's the way i look at this right at what expense how much is it going to? Co- are they going to have to enroll in school? And if they're going to have to enroll back in school, is that going to take scholarship money again? Yeah. Like it, how it, is the NCAA? How is the NCAA going to 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 fix things so that these seniors uh, who've missed part of their years, the seniors who missed the NCAA tournament, can can continue to be uh, a part of college athletics without technically being part of the college anymore?
0: Yeah, well, I I think the rule is still gonna follow. Like, if
1: you're not in school, you're not you're not an athlete. So then, who's so is that scholarship money gonna go to them? I instead think instead of to a new freshman. It it, it all
0: depends, right? Because there there are there are a lot of ways you can exempt an athletic scholarship. Name, like for instance, my brother was also on the golf team at UNL uh, for undergrad. Well, was, you,
1: your bro- you you and your brother are twins, right? I, yeah, we, we're like, twins. We should, yeah, we should. Probably yeah, we're twins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So
0: yeah. we were, we were, we started at the same exact time. He got in a really bad car accident after his red shirt freshman year, and he was on a tiny scholarship. He was on a partial scholarship because it's golf. After he gets in this car accident, coach is like, "Look, Nate, like you're you're probably not going to recover quick enough." So, do you just want to medically retire? If you medically retire, we can bump you up to a full ride. Um, we'll pay you $2,000 a month and cover your tuition. That's what a full ride is. Here, you know. It's 2000 dollars a month. Like, we'll pay you 2000 a month or 1500 a month. We'll pay for all your tuition, all your books, and you just you just go to school. You're just, you're just a student. Talk about an easy way through college. Yeah, that's the easiest way through college is being an athlete at medical you know, so I think programs like Nebraska, the big schools, can afford to do that. They can afford to medical a hundred athletes, no problem. You know, it's it's really like the D three schools or the underfunded state schools that can't afford to they can't afford to just give someone a full ride. You know, and I th- but I think that's kind of the measure that they're going to take is like you know here's a scholarship. It's not going to affect the actual scholarships that are given out to. The roster, like the guys on the team, right? Right. So, like, you know, for instance, like golf has four and a half scholarships. If there is two seniors on this team that were on scholarship, I think they're gonna get whatever scholarship they had if they want to keep their eligibility and their scholarships. Let's say both the two seniors, their scholarship adds up to one scholarship. Technically, this year the golf team would have five and a half scholarships that they're giving out, right? But the, their scholarship isn't going to affect the rest of the teams. I think that's what they're going to do. I don't know if what I said made any sense at all, but no, it did. It yeah, did. but yeah, but all this is to say, like, dude, the NCAA, I I'm very opinionated about the NCAA. I that's the, the, I mean, I can do a whole podcast on, like, a whole episode on <laughs> what I think. You know, I don't want to get into that. You know,
1: well, let me let me ask you. So earlier in in. In the podcast, you had said that you thought the administration was doing all of the things that they should be doing, but they might just be pulling the trigger and using up all the ammunition they have
0: Mm -hmm. too
1: quickly to kind of help the market stabilize during this crisis. Absolutely. So if that's the case, what tools, what ammunition do they have left that they can fire off if needed?
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how much... Cash the Fed is sitting on. I don't, I I haven't. I actually haven't looked at their balance sheet. They already, they're already buying back a lot of the debt that the banks have. You know, the, a lot of banks are kind of required to have a certain amount of their assets be treasury bills. When the uh, Fed buys back those treasury bills, um, they kind of give all these banks their cash back. It's essentially what it is. And so there was that one and a half trillion dollar thing. That happened a couple of weeks ago. I think the, I think there's more. I think there's more, more money that the Fed can use to buy back their debt from these banks to kind of help with this, this liquidity issue. And you know, we're also in a time where uh, the deflation is is kind of counterbalancing inflation. No one's going out and spending their money, so. When that happens, there's deflation. So if the Treasury decides to print a bunch of money right now, I don't think that's gonna really hurt inflation yet. I mean, it maybe will down the road. I mean, it definitely will down the road. But you know, so there's definitely that option too. What do you, like? What else can the Federal Reserve do? Like, they are they gonna make interest rates negative? Are they gonna look to? Yeah, right. <laughs> can Nobody they make wants- interest
1: rates negative? Can they do that? They did it in Germany. They're doing it in Japan. Or See, they're doing I, it. So, What does that do to the world economy? If if the largest economy in the world, the driver of the – one of the drivers – I won't say the driver, but one of the drivers of the world economy, the U.S. economy. Yeah. What happens if that if, – if we're like, yeah, we're going to have to do the same thing? What does that do to the overall economy of the world? Is there a way out, Aaron, when this is all said and done? Let's just – worst case scenario, 18 months. Mm-hmm. Is there is there a way out, or are things going to have to fundamentally change at that point?
0: If 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 this stretches eighteen months, the whole world is going to, is going bankrupt. That's that's there's there's not enough money in the Federal Reserve, in the Treasury, in the international mon- monetary, the international, the IMF, whatever you want to call it, international, whatever the IMF. There's not enough money in all of those. Um, and all of those bureaucracies, or whatever they're called, whatever they are, um, to hold us over. There's no way. That's the thing about capitalism, you know. And I'm a capitalist through and through. The thing is, like capitalism, anymore runs on credit. If everybody's in debt, and if no one's making money, then everyone's going to default on their loans. What happens if everybody defaults on their their loans? Everybody
1: goes bankrupt. Right. And that's kind of, that seems like what the the private sector is going to end up going to. The longer this goes, that's what it, the more likely it looks like it's going to happen.
0: Yeah. So like, you know, I I want to bring up, uh, what Bill Ackman said on CNBC because I, I watch CNBC a lot. Uh, Bill Ackman is a really respected hedge fund manager. He's the CEO and chairman of, uh, gosh, I forget the name of his firm. I feel I feel terrible. I should know this, but he's a brilliant finance and economic like economics guy. Um, billionaire uh, made his money from investing money, and you know his idea was like the only way we can defeat this virus is to kill it, you know? So he wants Trump to shut down everything for 30 days, you know, shut down everything for 30 days, have the government come in and, and pay the salaries of people in the service industries of, of, of all the businesses that shut, like the only businesses he wants to stay open are maybe fast food in case everyone gets tired of cooking all the time, grocery stores, pharmacies and hospitals and other essential places. Right. But you know, barber shops, Closed all that, all that kind of restaurants, bars, all those closed, and and retailers and all. Of, and the go- he's like he said the government can afford thirty days of paying this stuff, of of of, of seeing those businesses through, what they can't afford is if this lasts eighteen months, you know. And i I hope he's wrong, but I don't know, you know, and no one knows, so. Right. Like but but he's right in the fact that the government can't afford this for more than two months. You know, hotels can't have, like the hotels, hospitality, airlines, all these all these different industries can't afford it for for this long. And if hotels go go under, if airlines go under, that's gonna spill into I mean everything is everything is tied to financials. So yeah. everything is tied to energy and financials. So if those sectors go down, they're gonna drag down financials with it. They're gonna go. They're gonna drag down energy with it.
1: Well, I want to be clear. I think that I think that a lot of these places, Vegas included, where they're shutting down everything mm-hmm. for the next thirty days, they're making the right decision. I think that in the interest of public health, uh, and I heard a press conference when they were talking about shutting Vegas down, and he said it's there are people dying over this, and, and in the long term uh as far as i am concerned wealth is secondary to life life yeah. should always come first and so in that regard i think everyone being safe staying home is the best is the best thing to do that said yeah absolutely if you can support your local BMs, support your local bars order something anything and, and see if they will deliver it See if they can ship it or see if they have curbside service where you can sit in your car and you don't really even have to interact with them. And you can just open the door, put it in the car, put it in the back. You don't have to breathe. You don't have to sign anything. It's all electronic now anyway.
0: Yeah. Have them sign
1: for you. And it's all done. I would highly encourage you if you are in a position to do that, to please, please do that. And if you're showing symptoms of COVID-19. Make sure that you're contacting your doctor and getting their advice. Do not go to the ER. Do not go to the hospital. Contact your physician first and let them know if you don't have a general practitioner, contact the hospital and see what they want you to do. Aaron, tell us a little bit about Drunkenomics. We are on Spotify. We're on iTunes.
0: We are on pretty much any, I'm leaving out some podcast platforms, but we're pretty much on any podcast platform out there. I was really, I don't want to say caught off guard, but I was caught off guard when uh, you heard my podcast and you told me how much you enjoyed it and how excited you would be if we joined your, if you joined Creative Brain Candy. Because I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't deserve to be on this network.
1: (laughs) you just joined (laughs) a a great group of people that have no idea what they're doing. uh, Oh, okay, good. Well,
0: I mean... I mean, look at us all. I mean,
1: <laughs> exactly. You guys are having some great success with Drunkenomics, so congratulations to you guys. I hope it continues. You guys are doing a fantastic job. Oh, like nice. you say, you don't know a lot about e- economics, but you, you, you and James frame economics in a way that the common man, like myself, can understand it. Uh, you kind of uh, you act as an interpreter, so to speak, and you do it while mm-hmm. getting lit. So there is nothing wrong with that. <laughs>
0: No, well, I do my best, and ultimately, what it comes down to is, I just really like scotch. So,
1: (laughs) scotch is so good. What's your favorite scotch, Aaron? What's your favorite scotch,
0: dude? Okay, man. um, Asking asking me that is like saying what's your favorite Led Zeppelin song, Uh, if not worse. Uh, It's. Okay, like, if you told me, like, what's your favorite... If you asked me, like, what's your favorite Led Zeppelin album, I can I can maybe give you an answer. So, like, if you said, like, what's your favorite region of Scotland, you know? So, that's that, that's kind of how I see Scotland. Is Scotland is this musical artist, right? Like Pink Floyd or Led Zeppelin or ACDC or whoever you like. And they have a, this many albums, right? There's seven different types of Scotches. So, Scott, Scotland has seven scotch albums (laughs) and within those albums are a ton of songs so that's the way i see it um you know so with scotland there's there's six different regions and then there's blended scotches right i don't i don't care much for blended scotches to me that's like that's like if you had to compare that to like pink floyd albums that's like umaguma you know i don't care for that album it's Okay, like I'll drink it. I'll listen to Umaguma, but it's not my favorite, you know. (laughs) Like, and then there's you know there's the region called Isla, which is which is spelled I S L A Y. That's my favorite region of Scotland. That's like the wall for Pink Floyd albums, right? You know, as a matter of fact, like the wall is the greatest album in the history of albums. The Isla region is the greatest area where alcohol is produced. That's the great. It's the greatest. There's no better place for alcohol than Isla. So hopefully, this that those analogy. Might be,
1: what? Those might be fighting words in certain areas.
0: Well, you know what? Fight me if you don't like the wall. <laughs> if you don't like. The, if you don't like the Isla region, fight me. Gosh, something's wrong with you if you don't like those. I know. I so like what's what's his name?
1: Jason. Your, yes, uh, Jason from j- Smoking and Drinking in Space. Yes, jo-
0: yeah, jo- Jason from Sadist, man. That freaking guy, when he said he likes bourbon but doesn't like scotch, I am just like, dude, I don't even know if I can talk to you ever again, man. Thanks for helping me out with the podcast, but I don't know if I can talk to you again.
1: Ah, <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, no, he's not a so, scotch drinker uh, by any yeah. stretch of the imagination. Uh, you know, okay. Whiskey guy. Bourbon guy, yeah. through and through.
0: Yeah. So if you're a bourbon guy and you, you want to try a scotch that that isn't briny or salty or smoky, pick something from the Speyside. Pick something from the, low, the Lowlands. The Lowlands is like very Irish whiskey. It's not, it, it, it's still very much a scotch, but it, it's more Irish whiskey-esque, you know, because bourbon drinkers generally like Irish, like they like Irish whiskey more than like scotch because they're both naturally sweet. So, you know, that's... That's my advice. Is drink a Lowland or drink a Scotch from the Campbellton, C A M B E L T O N, C A M P, C A M P B E L T O N or T O W N, whatever that region. Excellent. That region. region. That region of Scotland. <laughs> There's only like three distilleries in that region. All three of them are amazing. Seriously, it's not like I love I love Campeltons.
1: So there you go. There's your scotch advice for the week. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on and, and talking economics with me. I really do appreciate it. Everybody check out his podcast, Drunkenomics, over at creativebraincandy.com and on podcatchers everywhere. Join me next week when I'll be talking with a surprise guest. It's going to be fantastic. It's with somebody from uh, in the industry, and we're going to talk about all the things that they're doing during COVID-19, during this, this shutdown to not only help their consumers but to help all consumers so stay tuned for that and remember friends stay
0: economical my friends
1: stay smoky thank you for listening to simply stogies please rate and review simply stogies on itunes you can follow james on his cigar journey on instagram at simply stogies podcast all one word and on
0: twitter at the twitter handle at simply stogies